Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Fred. I kind of hard, hard, hard time sitting down after those songs. I was ready to preach. It's good. Just a couple of, uh, of quick notes uh, from, a, from a missions perspective. We want to be a church uh, engaged increasingly so in the work of missions, both uh, locally and globally. And so a couple of ways that, that we can participate as a body in that. Uh, we provide these every week, these prayer inserts. Uh, I would encourage you to, um, you know, the odds that you have time to, to read and pray through those things. I guess you could do it during the sermon. Um, or you could pretend you are, like just close your eyes and be napping. But um, take these home, uh, even uh, just, just to maybe read during a, a devotional time with the Lord in the morning. Uh, and you could even just pray one of the, I think there's uh, seven things on this list that you could pray for. Take these home and use them as part of your devotionals. Uh, but also as part of our, uh, as a local missions impact, uh, if you're looking, if you're kind of asking the question, how... Do I make an impact in the community where we live? Uh, a great way to do that is to, uh, with this, this Bible, uh, this Bible club thing we're going to be doing, uh, next week, uh, July 22nd through the 25th. That is next week, right? Yep. All right. Um, it's one hour a day for four days and you have the opportunity to give the good news of Jesus, uh, to about a hundred kids, uh, so it's a it's a pretty great way uh, and and fairly low low cost uh, on our part. Uh, I mean, all, the, all you have to do is devote the time. Uh, so, and I, the patience, I guess. Uh, but a great way to make an impact uh, locally as well. So, all right, we have uh, over the past couple of weeks we've been working our way through Luke's gospel, Luke's story about Jesus's life. In particular, we have been looking at a sermon that Jesus uh, taught to his disciples. Uh, and so we're going to be in, uh, in Luke chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 43. But I want to point out that uh, as we've been making our way through this sermon, through this teaching that Jesus gave, at a first read, uh, it looks like Jesus doesn't get it. Like Jesus is totally clueless about how people work. Jesus is totally clueless about how the world works. I mean, just, just look at some of the things he says. Uh, look, at, look at chapter 6, uh, verse 20. Blessed. And that word blessed means uh, that God's favor or God's smile. So favored, blessed. Blessed are you who are poor. Well, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. I mean, has Jesus never been to the rough part of town? Has he never been to the right part of town? Has he never seen an advertisement? Those who are poor certainly can't be enjoying God's favor, right? I think we all know that to have money and stuff, that's what it means to enjoy God's favor. Jesus clearly doesn't get it. And then he keeps going. Look, uh, look a few verses down. Verse 22. Blessed, favored are you... When people hate you, and when people exclude you, Jesus is crazy. I mean, do you, how, does it feel good to be hated and rejected? Don't you like how that feels? Surely that's not a blessing. We would never say that, right? Jesus, Jesus doesn't get it. God's favor is clearly not on people like that. But then he keeps going. 
The very next verse, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Who does that? I mean, at one level, that's just, you know, at its best, that's insane. At its worst, it's dangerous. No, no, if he hates me, it's my responsibility to hate him back. That's how the world works. I'm certainly not going to do good to somebody seeking my harm. That's just insane. It's almost as if everything Jesus is saying about how we work and how the world works is completely upside down, completely reversed. Everything Jesus says is completely opposite from how we are and how we do, which is exactly the point. Jesus is giving a vision in the sermon of what his redeemed people look like. And it's completely upside down from the ethic of the world, is it not? It's, he's calling us to actions that are completely contrary to our human nature. We want to take revenge. Jesus says, nope, do the opposite. Jesus is flipping our... Jesus has come to upset our expectations. Jesus has uh, come to turn our values completely on their heads. And so, if Jesus, we could say this, if Jesus isn't challenging you uh, in any area of your life, if his words don't call into question something that you're believing or something that you're doing, then it's highly possible that you're not actually listening to the real Jesus. You you can't really follow through any of these verses and go, yep, get it, got it, sounds good, that's me, right? Jesus is challenging us. He's showing us what it means to belong to him. Uh, And he finishes this sermon with two word pictures. We're just going to look at the first one today, but they reinforce this message of reversal. And so we're going to look at the first one today, uh, Matthew 6, verse 43, we're just gonna, we're just gonna look at, uh, verses 43 through 45. So let's give attention to God's Word. If you're using the Bible there in the uh, chair rack, it is page 863. Let's give attention to God's Word. Jesus says, For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is known by its fruit, for figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person, out of the good treasure of his heart, produces good. And the evil person, out of his evil treasure, produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. We're going to stop right there. Let's pray and ask God for his help. God, as we turn now to your word, we ask that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear, that we would be transformed, that we would believe and be changed. We pray it in Jesus' name, amen. I was at a graduation a number of years ago for a a small Christian school, and I remember the the speech, uh, the graduating speech that the, uh, the, the speaker gave that evening. As he talked to the graduates, uh, the gist of his message was this. 
you guys are going to need to band together, right? You need each other. You need to band together because it is an evil world out there. The world out there is going to seek to get you. So you kind of have to hunker down and link arms and, uh, and, and bear down on it, right? There's an evil world out there. You're going you're gonna to need each other. Now, there's some, some truth in there that, uh, that I would applaud. Uh, we certainly do believe in the power of community to encourage and protect. It's a, it's a good thing. And I would certainly agree that there are influences in the world more broadly that we, sh- we should not assume everything we hear. But Jesus, the, the impression that the speaker gave me is very different from the impression that Jesus gives in this passage Uh, That night what I heard is that our greatest threat is out there. That evil resides out there. But not in here. And Jesus gives us the exact opposite idea. That our greatest threat, our greatest source, our greatest... uh, What we have to be on guard against the most is the evil that resides not out there, but in our own hearts. And this principle is so important to understanding how we work and is so contrary maybe to the ways that we typically think that I think it's, it's, it would be almost impossible not, uh, it would be almost impossible to overstate it. Uh, Jesus gives us a principle here uh, that the source of bad is not outside of us, but inside of us, in our hearts. And just like the other parts of this sermon, it flies in the face of what we typically think. So, typically what we think is if we respond poorly, if we make a bad decision, that our first instinct, right, is to look at other people or other institutions or forces outside of ourselves, right? We usually, if, if I'm going to blame somebody, I usually blame someone else. Our first instinct is to look outward. Jesus says, actually, you need to look inward. So here's, here's the principle we're going to look at, and we're going to spend most of our time just, uh, just illustrating it and then a few moments applying it. Uh, but Jesus' principle is this, that we can only produce what we are. In other words, we can only put out what we have within. We can only produce what we are. So, if we're going to change, if we need to change, that change must come from the inside out, not from the outside in. We can only produce what we are. We live out of what we are. And so, if we're seeking to change something, that change must come from within us. So, the first point, your heart produces your behavior. That's just, we're, I'm just going to illustrate that principle. And then the second two points are, I think, applications that Jesus gives us. So first, let's talk about this idea that your heart produces your behavior. Jesus says this in verse 45, very end of the verse, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. His mouth speaks. You can uh, change that to the first person pronoun. Uh, Out of the abundance of my heart, my mouth speaks. We live out of the abundance of... Of our hearts. My heart produces, your heart produces your behavior. Now, when the Bible talks about the heart, it talks about your, that's your command center, your will, 
your ambitions, your desires, right? Everything, uh, the, the way the Bible views the human, uh, the heart is not the, the muscle that pumps blood. It is your volitional center, right? It's your command center. Um, it's where we want to do. It's what drives us to say and do certain things. Uh, and we get that. We talk this way, right? We'll say, yeah, his heart wasn't really in it, right? Or she's got a real heart for that. Right, we use we use language the same way. And Jesus uses speech as an example, right? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So he's using speech as an example because really our words are a key indicator of our heart's condition. They're usually the hardest thing to filter. Are they not? If we're going to if we're going to explode, it's going to start here first. Um, so our hearts, our, our speech is a great indicator of our heart's condition. Just over the past uh, several weeks, we've had a couple of people within our congregation who've had to go in for a heart cath, right? Uh, and a heart cath, if you don't know, is this procedure where they run a camera into, up your veins, into your heart to see what's going on. Now, why do they do that, right? If you're, uh, if everything's going well, you don't need a heart cath, just so you know, like they're not, this isn't a normal procedure that everybody has to go through at age 70. Okay? Thank goodness. Alright? Why do they do that? Because you're showing certain sim- symptoms. So maybe your heart is out of rhythm. Maybe your blood pressure is spiking or bottoming out. Maybe you're just extra fatigued or dizzy. Right? Different things that let the doctor know, mm, something's going on, we need to take a look. Well, our words can kind of serve as a heart calf. They let us know that something is going on. In the same way, our mouths can provide a window into our hearts. Why? Usually because our speech is less guarded than our actions. My words, especially my unfiltered outbursts, are a great indicator of what is in my heart. So, so this is the principle that whatever is in my heart that is what spills out. Jesus, Jesus puts it this way a little bit earlier in the verse. He says, when we produce either good or evil, we are simply bringing it out of the treasury of our hearts. The good man out of the good treasury of his heart produces good. The evil man, evil. Uh, so, imagine if you, if you come over to my house... Uh, for a meal, I can only serve you what's in the fridge. Uh, if you ask me for money, I can only give you what's in my wallet. Okay? Uh, Jesus in the same way says we can only give out of what we already have. We produce out of our heart. So if, we're, if it's a good heart, we produce good. If it's a bad heart, we produce bad. Uh, Alfred Porer... I don't know that that's how you say it. It's French. Um, but he, talk, he talks about uh, being in front of a large group of people and taking a cup of water and pouring it out on the floor. Uh, and then he asks uh, the people he's speaking to, he says, why is there water on the floor? Now, what would you say to him? Right? And that's how most of them responded. You poured it out. But that's not why there's water on the floor. Why is there water on the floor? Because there's water in the cup. If there were milk in the cup, there wouldn't be water on the floor. There would be 
milk. If the cup were empty, there wouldn't be water on the floor, right? And so we live out of the overflow of our hearts, right? We produce what is within us. Now, so that's the principle. Here's what this means for us. And here's how it maybe is contrary to the way that we typically live, that we think instinctually, right? We cannot, when we, when we look at our behavior, we cannot blame it on things, inanimate objects, drugs, alcohol, the internet, money. That is not the source of evil, right? Those things, those inanimate objects may provide certain temptations. They may provide certain influences, though... Maybe it's hard for an inanimate... I don't think an inanimate object can influence you. Usually there's a will on the other side of it, right? But the actual behavior itself, we, can't, we have to point to our own hearts. That's what Jesus says. Uh, we can't blame our behavior on other people. Your, your friends, uh, your spouse, your boyfriend, your girlfriend. You can't look at them and say, well, they made me do it. If she would just listen better, I wouldn't have responded that way. If he would just be kinder, I wouldn't have responded that way. We cannot blame our behavior on other people. And I would even say we cannot blame our behavior on our backgrounds or on our personalities. Right? That we have a... We have a tendency to say, maybe, well, that's just the way that I am. That's just the way that I am. That's just what I'm like. Or, well, it's my background. It's the way that I was treated as a child. It's trauma that I endured. Now, now listen. Those things influence us. They shape us. Jesus is not saying that those things don't have an influence or a shaping effect on how we respond. But at the end of the day, blame for evil resides within our hearts, not outside of them. And that is a key principle for us to grasp when we talk about change. When we talk about personal change, when we talk about spiritual change. Because it means that I must begin not with influences outside of me, but with the influence of my own heart. That's the first place I must look. Uh, we like to say, I just need to vent. Nobody in here ever has to vent, do they? Right? We occasionally, uh, some of us maybe more than others, but occasionally, especially when pressed, we feel this need to verbally and emotionally vomit. Right? Uh, I had a roommate in college who had the worst road rage I'd ever seen. It did not matter where you put him, on the interstate, on the highway, on the road, in a parking lot. This guy felt the need when with other drivers, which is all the time, uh, to vomit, right? Um, I remember sitting in a parking lot after a basketball game. Um, and as you can imagine, after a sporting event, parking lots are full. And the progress in the parking lot is slow. That, however, did not stop my roommate from cussing up and down every person who pulled out in front of him or who got too close to him. Now, what would we say is the problem? What would he say is the problem? The other people. 
If it weren't for these other drivers, I wouldn't be so angry. But if you looked at his life as a whole, I think you would begin to see that just behind this, he was not an angry person just behind the steering wheel. He was an angry person in general. And whenever someone else got in his way, uh, interrupted a desire or expectation that he had, he would explode. Most clearly demonstrated when he was driving. And so the issue is not the other drivers. The issue is not who you're married to. The issue is not what they said on the internet. The issue is, friend, your heart. So I have, and even think about that word vomit. This, you know, at the risk of getting a little too gross. When we physically have to vomit, throw up, why? What is the, what is normally the reason? Is it not because there's something inside of us that's making us sick? It triggers your body's response to get rid of it. And so, if we're having to vomit, it means there's something wrong inside, does it not? So if I feel the constant need to verbally and emotionally throw up on other people, does it mean that I should then look inside for something that's making me sick? That there's something wrong on the inside? Which is what leads us uh, into the next point and to what I think Jesus wants us to do with this principle, right? So, so my heart produces my behavior... Then the first thing that I think Jesus wants us to do is to examine our hearts. To take a look, a long, hard look at our hearts. Right? When Jesus uh, gives these, uh, these word pictures here, he's not saying this is how you evaluate other people. He's saying this is how you ought to evaluate yourself. This is how you need to examine yourself. And he gives us this illustration in verse 44. He says... Each tree is known by its fruit. So if I'm looking for figs, I don't need to go looking in thorn bushes. Because thorn bushes don't produce figs. I've got a couple of farmers in here. I think that's right. Would that be a general statement? If you're going to look for a fig, where do you go? You're going to go to the fig tree, right? Or you should. Uh, if I'm looking for grapes, Jesus says, don't go looking at the bramble bush. I don't know what a bramble bush is, but it's different than a thorn bush, and it certainly does not produce grapes. If I want grapes, I need to go to the grapevine. A tree can a, a tree can only produce its own fruit. An apple tree does not produce oranges. And so I think Jesus is telling us first to ask ourselves, what kind of tree am I? And the way that I answer that question is, what kind of fruit am I producing? Now, be ruthlessly honest with yourself. What sort of fruit are you producing? Paul tells us in Galatians that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. Did I leave any out? Huh? Gentleness. I left that one out on purpose. <laughs> right? So that's the kind of fruit that a spirit-filled tree produces. Is that the kind of fruit you see evidence on your own tree? What kind of tree am I? Examine 
your heart. And then a second application. Once you've examined your heart and asked God's help to do this, examine your own heart, you may find uh, what Jeremiah found. The prophet Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Which leads then to a second application, the third point. Seek a healthy heart. Seek a healthy heart. Jesus gives us this picture in verse 43. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. Can you imagine there's a, a peach tree in your yard? And it's the time of year for peaches, so it's growing, growing fruit. You walk out to the tree to start picking, and as you grab the first peach, it smooshes in your hand, right? The, the fruit on the inside of the peel, though you couldn't see it from the outside, the fruit on the inside of the peel is brown and mushy. Uh, the technical term is rent. Okay? <laughs> and you go around the tree... And you find that same problem with all the other peaches. They're all rent, right? Now, clearly there's a problem with your fruit. But in order to solve the problem, you have to correctly diagnose what's going wrong. Is the problem with the fruit or is it with the root? Now I want you to imagine that you aim to solve your problem this way. You head on out to Smitherman Farms... And you buy baskets and baskets of peaches, because they have great peaches. And you take them home, and you get your ladder, and you begin going around the tree. And uh, thanks to Paul and Ted Tripp for this, uh, for this illustration. You go around the tree, and you, you take these new peaches, and you start stapling them to the branches. Right? What do you think your friends would do if they came over and saw you fixing your tree this way? Kevin's lost it. Right? Does that solve the problem? Of course not. Why? Because the problem is the tree itself. There's something diseased in the tree that's producing diseased fruit. And if we simply just fix the external, if we simply just staple new fruit onto the tree, it might look good for a time, but eventually the disease will out again. In the same way, we do this with our kids... And we do it with ourselves, right? We think that, uh, that if we just modify our behavior, I need to do this a little less and I need to do this a little more. If we just externally fix the fruit, we may look nicer for a time, but we haven't actually addressed the problem. We haven't actually begun to deal with the disease inside that's producing bad fruit, and so, let's apply this to our speech, to our words. Uh, maybe somebody's called you out and said, hey, listen, you know, maybe you should verbally vomit a little bit less. And so you go, okay, I will aim to filter my mouth more. How long does that hold? How long, how long till the filter gets full and it blows off, right? 
No, if you just fix the externals, right? If you only as uh, if you do, if you ignore what Jeremiah says about the heart that is deceitful above all things, that it's desperately sick. If we don't address the heart, then we really can't address long-term change. We'll modify behavior. And so what we have to do after we examine our hearts, we have to seek a healthy heart. Have you ever tried to change your heart? It's kind of difficult. In fact, when Jeremiah says, who can know it? The very next verse in Jeremiah is, I am the Lord. I test the heart. I know it. Right? That if we're going to begin to change, it is not something that we can work up in and of ourselves. It's not something we generate. It is something that God Himself might do. If I am the problem and not outside influences, then my heart is what needs changing. If my heart is bad, then no amount of external change is going to fix it. So I'm stuck, aren't I? I'm stuck in a quagmire. My tree's bad, my fruit is thorns, my treasury is full of evil. What do I do? I want you to listen to God's words through the prophet Ezekiel. God's people have faced this problem for a long time. Humanity has faced this problem for a long time. Here's what God says through Ezekiel in chapter 36, verse 25. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean from all your uncleanness and from all your idols I will cleanse you. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and will give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you And cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. So if I realize that I'm stuck, that I've got a bad heart that produces evil out of its treasury, what do I do? I run to the Lord who can give a new heart, who forgives and redeems bad-hearted people. You notice as Jesus is talking about this, Nobody escapes this description, right? That all of our hearts overflow in the same way. Now, it may not look exactly the same. I'm not going to sin in the way that you sin. At least, not all the time. But Jesus comes to address this problem. He comes to give us new hearts. And He gives us His Holy Spirit so that our lives are transformed. Not from the outside in but from the inside out. That's how Jesus changes us. And it only happens when we trust in Him. I invite you to trust in Jesus. Acknowledge that your heart produces bad fruit. Uh, Another way to translate that word is spoiled. Rotten. If you see rotten fruit in your life, run to Jesus. Ask Him to give you a new heart and to put His Spirit within you. And if you've already done that, ask Him again, and again, and again, because He's faithful, and He will do it. Paul tells us in uh, the letter to Philippians that uh, 
he is confident uh, that Jesus will finish the good work that he begins in us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, even when it hurts. That like a mirror, the first thing in the morning, it shows us exactly what we look like and it may not be pretty. But even as your word reveals the darkness in our own hearts, it also reveals the hope that we have in Christ alone. Help us to run to the cross. To not look for causes and blames outside of ourselves. To not try to fix our fruit. But to deal with the disease by running to you. Jesus, you went to the tree so that we could be healed and renewed and restored and become a new creation. Do that in our hearts. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and worship God through the giving of our gifts.